podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Talking Cop. It's another full ma- full time match reaction show. It is finished at Anfield. Thankfully, Liverpool for Brentford one. Joined tonight Ooh. by Kevos. Who? Oh, not Brentford. Ooh. Luton. Luton. Some some promoted team. Take Let's just say two. some promoted team. Yes, Maple we're starting Green. over. <laughs> Joined tonight by uh, Kev O'Sullivan, and for the first time since I think 2023, Goldie's back on. So, Goldie, how are you? Long time no see. Yes, I'm good. I could have done without the first 45, but we'll get into that. Other than that, life is brilliant. Never nice. been better. I like it. Nice Queens of the Stone Age shirt I see you got on there. Pity about that, that was... Yankees hat, though. That's a bit embarrassing. That's a bit embarrassing. Well, it was a gift. Yeah. I was over in Rome. I didn't like you very much. <laughs> roasting uh, uh jose Mourinho uh just as he got the sack so uh somebody in rome gave it to me so i thought out of respect i'd wear it for them there you go there you go and kev how are you tonight my friend good good i enjoyed that i enjoyed it pretty much all of it um made to work for it but look if this was the banana skin that everyone was waiting for it fucking wasn't. It was comfortable. It was a dominant win. And rotated the side. Kids giving debuts. You know, goals. What more do you want? It's absolutely brilliant night. Loved it. Yeah. And no new injuries. That's uh that's the big takeaway, I think, really, from this game after after the last <laughs> game. After the last game. Uh yeah, I mean the lineup was a pretty Pretty simple one to guess for the most part. I think the front six, uh, Elliot starting on the right wing with Gakpo and Diaz, and then the midfield three of McAllister, Endo, and Gravenberch seemed like it was pretty obvious. And then just questions over who would partner Van Dyke and if and where Joe Gomez would slot in. So, Goldie, I mean, any anything uh, with that that set you off when the lineups dropped an hour before kickoff? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I spent yesterday mainly as a Captain Mo kind of trying to ignore the chat, whether he would, wouldn't play. Then by this morning, without getting obsessive, one check-in, I kind of went, right, he hasn't got much to play around with, so no surprises. Uh, and I wouldn't, like, I'm, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I said it to Gab, to be honest with you, at quarter past eight, I hope he forgot to send me the link. And I think that's the way the rest of the season's going to be. Uh, every 90 minutes, it's you're just kind of... You let go into that adult nappy that I'm wearing. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there was much to play around. You couldn't say, oh, I would have preferred, I would have preferred. Uh, and my biggest worry was uh, I watched Luton at the weekend. The last couple of weeks, Luton have been very good. So, yeah, all around nerves the whole way. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the uh, the rest of the season is going to be a test of all of our collective and individual bottles of just how how long can you hold in there like some sort of game show before you you hit the panic button and start screaming that the the sky is falling i mean i said before the game into our uh, telegram group that if we don't win this game it could basically be it could basically be catastrophic for any hopes we have of winning the title because i think a season where you drop four out of six possible points against a newly promoted team i think that's that makes it very hard to 
to have true title aspirations. But at the same time, I was very confident that we were going to win. And I mean, Kev, we came flying out of the traps and especially Luis Diaz within the first four minutes, he should have at least one, if not two goals. Like We started off and the ball over the top and cut out. It was, that was just an inch perfect cross, but Diaz just couldn't get it out of his feet. And the defender, I, the three centre-backs were Luton. They're quick. You know, they're deceivingly quick over the ground. And athletic, strong, a bit naive at times, raw. But just, it was, it, that typified the whole first half for me. You couldn't, it was in the final third. It was either trying to rush it too much or forcing issues when they didn't need to be forced. But the, the ball into him signaled, yeah, we're on it. It was just like, we're out of the blocks early and we started really well. And the first 10 minutes was like that. We had three pretty decent chances. And, you know, you just think, okay, get the first one and you can relax into the game. Because the only thing I'd say about the lineup was I felt that the game would have to be won by the 11 that started. It's not like in the previous couple of months where you say, okay, this 11 can get you to 60. And if there's a change that needs to be made, there's players on the bench that could come on and affect the game and then affect change. They're really, tonight you were looking behind you thinking, okay, there's Costas, there's Robbo. And there's a good bunch Ebo. of really <laughs> talented, really talented teenagers, but the teenagers. You know, you you can't expect them to be pulling you out the fire. So it was up to the starting eleven to take responsibility. And I thought overall, right the way through the first half, we were pretty dominant without taking our chances. Defensively, we were sound apart from the one mistake which we'll get to. But I I was honestly really relaxed about it because I thought the more we create the more chances we create we will get one and once you get one we'll be we'll get on a roll and we'll be fine the crowd was like that it was a bit of a up and down you know uh through the first half it was almost a case of the um they were waiting for something to get them off their seat and you know second half was completely different but look I was happy with the start, genuinely. I was really happy with the start. And you were just hoping that someone will just knock money. That's all you were hoping for. A through ball would be played right. A run would be right. You know, someone will take a chance. One of those long-distance shots, something will work for you. But it just didn't. And you get halves like that. But the important thing is you don't fall into yourself. You don't fall in, you know, go into tunnel vision and go into poor me syndrome. And none of them did. You know, they all stuck their chest out and went again in the second half. And it was a game of two halves. It was the ultimate game of two halves. Yeah, it's uh, whatever the halftime team talk was. I mean, again, Jurgen Klopp making making the necessary adjustments at halftime, whether it's just an attitude adjustment that needed to be made or some small tactical things. I felt that the the, the fullbacks were both inverting a little bit more in the second half. And as the game went on, it almost seemed like at times Virgil van Dijk was playing as the second striker. But uh, Goldie, in the lead up to the goal, uh, like I didn't see a lot of threat coming. They had a couple of chances where they came in, you know, putting balls into the box. Virgil van Dijk was right there, first to everything, just hoofing the ball deep, getting it out of there. 
11th minute. They've, they've got numbers. I think it's a four-on-three attack. Bradley is out of position. They're breaking down uh, our right-hand side. Jarrell Kwanzaa makes an, an incredible tackle to break up that odd man rush. And the ball goes out for a throw-in, and you think, okay, we just settle in and reset from here. We'll be fine. And then the local favorite being a heavily Irish podcast. So it's, uh, I'm sure, very torn allegiances for the Irish listeners of the of the channel. Ogbene heads home at the back post, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't great from from our defense, was it? It's, I thought Morris did a great job of pinning uh Kwanzaa down in our box and waiting for Chong to get the ball back from him and take it as pace. But where do you where do you lay the blame on that goal there, Chris? Because that's what you got to do when you get scored against. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'd say that <clears throat> Of what I've seen of Luton of late, they, there's you know there's no secret that they're they're going to aim for crossing. So I had a feeling they were going to be hitting the wings. If anything caught anybody out was the fact that he didn't cross; he kept it on the ground, and it looked like it was almost like a training ground set piece. But Bradley being out of position left that big hole there. Um, is there blame if it's something's well worked out and you're expecting nonstop high ball crosses, which I was you know they did a lot of it against United. Um, and then your man just absolutely smashes it. Uh, so it deflects. And how many times will it deflect so kindly? What I would have been more worried about was there was two Luton players uh, on their own. Um, yeah, no, look, as, as Kev said, like I, I have no, there was we absolutely played. I don't think there was that much of a difference in the second half. We bossed the first half. It was just final balls. And as I say, not going to go down well with the chat, but, you know, I've been saying it. I, I, I only annoy Kev, or not Kev, um, Gav, via WhatsApp, random ones during games, not for any particular reason, going, Diaz is doing my head in. And the reality of it was we created tons of chances. And he was at the forefront and either didn't control, made bad decisions, slowed it down, whatever. So... Yeah, you got. You, do, would I be pointing fingers at somebody for blame? Not necessarily. It was one of those quick moves they'd obviously worked on, and yeah, um, it was a good layoff. It almost looked like a, a training ground set piece. As soon as the player had his back and leaning in, he knew he was laying it off. And then I'd say it was smashed. I, I some people might get on the Keller bus about it, but. It just rebounded anywhere. It would have been far worse if it had it went between his legs, which it looked like it was going that way. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I would have focused more on what we didn't actually do ourselves rather than we're got we're not keeping clean sheets all season. So, yeah, that's yeah, probably the, not the answer you wanted. <laughs> no, no, no. There's there there is no right answer for this. It just it feels like Kevin. It's just one of those goals. It's like you're not going to keep 38 clean sheets, no matter how good your defense is. You know, the greatest teams ever have not, not conceded a goal. Good play. No, from it was them. Good, it, yeah. It was a good one too. I mean, you're looking at people tracking runners, but in yeah. general, he had a shot at the near post. Keller saves it with his legs. It's not like you're going to dive down to your near post to try to save that because you're expecting the ball to go across you. So, especially from that angle, he gets down with his legs. The deflection comes up, pops up, and it pops up perfect for Rob Bennett to come and run in at it. So even if Robertson was 
pushed out to that side. Albany was coming onto the ball. Robertson was stood still, or whoever, whether it was Virgil or anyone. And someone would have run and start who's six foot, who's gonna he's gonna jump over you anyway. You know, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered who it was. I mean, Paolo Maldini stood in the far post. If it's if a forward is <laughs> six foot and he's getting a run at you and the ball is there to be got, you're at a disadvantage straight away. It's just bad luck. I mean, yeah, like I said, the only criticism you can really go after is the um not spotting the what the one two, but it was really well worked. You know, to work that position to get the shot off, it was really well worked. But in general, that is pretty much all they had in the first half. They had one cross from Doherty that went – it was like a far post shotgun cross that went nowhere of an out for a goal kick. But other than that, they didn't really do much at all. It was just yeah. unfortunate. I thought it, you know, I and, thought it was – And it was against the run of play. It was massively yeah. against the run of play as well. Absolutely. And as I say, it was even more obvious on the, the kind of replay that – it did look like a training ground that, you know, take quick throw in two players move in certain directions in the box. And if it happens to get trapped at your foot, just go on a diagonal. And I'd say the shot, he absolutely hammered it. I think it was actually Keller's trailing foot made it like hit off the back of it. And that what's made the kind of spin around the goal. So yeah, I'd say I would have been more concerned about what we weren't doing up front. I thought, natural enough kind of nervy uh and then we just started swinging a lot of things but yeah i don't think i don't think you can go into the training ground tomorrow and say let's not have that happen again yeah yeah i you talk about things that didn't go right for us at the front end of the pitch and then also swinging at it it felt like there was a, a, a higher tendency for our players to take shots when normally with a more settled team with more of the regular best 11 in there that you'd be looking for that extra pass, that extra overlap. And there was just time and time again in the first half where we were very blunt up front because like, I thought regardless of going a goal down within the first 15 minutes, which is a worrying trend, but again, 22 points from losing positions this year, which is the most in the league. So going a goal down, it shouldn't be making anybody lose their nerve or their bottle or anything like that. I thought defensively we were keeping them at bay. I thought in the midfield, we were doing a very good job. The, the more I see Endo and McAllister playing together, the, the happier those two, because they seem to have forged a really good connection. And I thought our counter-pressing from the front was actually quite effective. We kept forcing them to turn the ball over, turn the ball over, turn the ball over. But when it came to that final pass or the penultimate pass, we were just making the wrong decision. We were shooting when we should be passing. We were passing when we should be shooting. Diaz has a couple more chances. Uh, I mean, you get you get all the greatest hits as we run in towards halftime. 27th minute, Joe Gomez gets the ball, acres of space. Nobody from Luton's going to shut him down because he's never scored a senior goal. And if you don't know that, shoots over. <laughs> Jarrell Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa goes for a full Joel Matip in the 36th minute. Lovely. Again, comes yeah. to absolutely nothing. I mean, it ends up with Gakpo fouling the defender when he completely air shots it and boots through the defender. And then just after that, an incredible sequence of play from Connor Bradley. Makes a sliding tackle to stop an attack coming into our box. So he's in the box. His margin for error is very little. He slides in. He gets the ball. Gets up immediately. Keeps the ball from going out for a corner. Immediately starts us on a counterattack. Gravenberch gets it. Has a really nice run through the middle of the park. Gets his head up. Finds Diaz out to the left. Mengi puts in an incredible block on it. It leads to, I. it was our seventh or eighth corner 
of the match. We get into the halftime and it's like, okay, like for me at least, I'll speak for myself, things are going all right. You know, we're down a goal. That's not good. But for a disjointed team, I think we had made five changes to the starting lineup. That's a lot of changes. Defense is looking good. Kelleher's fine. You know, we just, we need to capitalize. And Goldie, is something that Kev said about looking at the bench compared to the starting lineup and thinking, these boys got to get it done. So, I mean, in at halftime, confident, calm, collected. You know there's not going to be any changes made. Happy with it? I mean, not happy. Look, I I know what you're saying, and I'm not this. Look, it's all hindsight as well now. Uh, At halftime, the reality of it is, I stopped taking notes. I went to the shed, got out another tube of glue, got some uh, insulating dot wool stuff stripped down to me. White fronts rolled around in that and screamed Diaz nonstop. I wasn't confident about how we'd been going about things. Well, the only thing I wrote down in the first 15 minutes of the second half is that Connor Bradley went out into that second half and said, right, I'm taking over this game. And his next 15 minutes just changed the tempo. Maybe Luton got more tired. He was playing further forward. But I found he gave me more hope than anybody else because suddenly I wasn't paying too much attention to what Gapko wasn't showing. Diaz whatever but Bradley took the game with a scruff of the neck it, it his first kind of out and out aggressive attack resulted in what eventually became the corner and then we got what's going to end up being my man of the matches McAllister basically the two of them turned the game in 15 minutes because McAllister ended up with the first two assists and uh, I thought Bradley's ended I was surprised to see him coming off but uh yeah we have to step it up. I mean, we're we're not. There's no point in trying to kind of almost look at this now tactically. Home games. The first rule I'd have tomorrow is that Klopp bans Kuman from turning up to watch Gafco because Gafco just seems to go to jelly and look really like he's in a war with himself because he knows Ronald's up there in the VIP seats. But we just have to go for it. I I, I know who we don't have, but. They had to go for it. And just Connor Bradley for, say, the first 15 minutes of the the second half, he seemed to be everywhere. Everything that was going forward was through him making runs. Whereas Diaz is stopping, trying to do his leg shake, river dance. Bradley just went at it for 15 minutes and, yeah, turned the game as far as I'm concerned. And then uh, Virgil delivered a bullet. So, yeah, the, the momentum changed and... We just plowed on. Thank yeah, God I, Bradley. Kev, I don't I don't know if you noticed it, but I, I had noted down in the first half that it already looked like some of the Luton players were getting tired because they were putting in some yards. And just in terms of a tactical thing, it seemed like Alexis McAllister almost had the responsibility of man-marking Ross Barkley because Ross Barkley has been the guy that has been making this Luton team tick. And it seemed like every time he had the ball, within about half a second, he had a snappy little Argentinian just right on top of him. And he wasn't really able to influence the game. No, he wasn't. But one thing I noticed from the first half to the second half, the first half, we didn't attack down the right-hand side at all. Bradley didn't hardly – he he hardly got involved in the first half. He didn't venture forward. He never got past his wing back. He didn't tuck inside. He didn't do – he didn't get involved in the game at all. Um, second half, it was – Night and day, the difference. 
everything shifted down the right hand side and our best attacks came from the right hand side um before the before we got the goal there was a massive shout for a penalty absolute massive shout for a penalty and i think it was i don't know about you i think it was a stonewall penalty i thought it was stonewall hand i thought it was stonewall handball i couldn't understand how <laughs> the argument is his arm was behind it was behind his body and he didn't know know where the ball was my fucking fat arse he didn't know i'm telling you now anyone worth their salt who's played sunday league will make themselves as big as possible if you think the ball is going past you you will stick out an arm to make sure that so you get something on it he knew exactly what he was doing he made they talk about the silhouette. You often hear about, oh, the arms are away from the body. And there, it was a stonewall penalty. We were one nil down, and you've seen it with other sides when you don't get a decision like that. Their heads blow up because they feel injustice and they feel like they're being robbed. And you see them flying into tackles. We didn't. We just kept going. It was like we knew we were playing well. We knew we were putting them under pressure. They never really threatened at all. For the first 15 minutes of the second half and we just kept going and going and going and let's say Connor Bradley was a massive effect it also helped Harvey Elliott getting involved inside and having someone going outside on the overlap allowed him to have a bit more space and time on the ball in areas he can affect it with just quick movement um it was you need once the corner once we got that corner and the first, because we had a corner earlier, a few minutes beforehand, and the cross came in, and it went high, and it was it was almost like a float across, and it was like, oh, come on, you've got to give them some pace to work with, and I don't know what the what happened with the with the with the goal, but you could see Virgil trying to make the near post run, so it was definitely signaled to get to the near post, and the corner came in flat and accurate, and Virgil got his header on it. It was a bullet header. Once he got his head on it, it was going in. And it was bang. 1-0. Grab the ball out of the back of the net. Back to the halfway line. They know they're in a situation in the league from here on out now where draws are as useful as chocolate teapots. So it was like, put the ball back down the spot. We need a second. And, you know, they they knew they were well, in, well on top. Play, you know, players know. They know when they're dominating a game. And it wasn't a case of when that ball went in was relief. Might have been relief for us. It wasn't relief for the players who were involved. For them, it was like more again. Just just get the ball and just don't let up. Don't you've got your foot on their throat. They'd run their legs off against Manchester United. They were really, really unlucky against Manchester United. Should have got something out of the game, put an awful lot of effort into it. And we just ran the legs off them for, for that 55 minutes. Didn't stop. And we weren't going to stop. You know, it was like, you got one, right, go again, get the next one, get the lead. Get the lead, keep their, keep your foot in their throat and don't give them nothing. Don't give them any encouragement. Yeah. And that's how it yeah. played out. Yeah. Uh, just because it seems like, as Scouser Pete points out, that it's you versus the chat in terms of the penalty. Uh, you've got a few allies. CJ's also uh, uh, on your side. It just says, I'm actually okay with it not being a pen, but when they are given in some games and not in others, this is where fans get frustrated. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't yeah. want that to be a penalty. But I when do. You, when I, you've I seen do. Them, 
Well, then it's you it versus the chat, then, Kev. You're on your own, buddy. Uh, he's leaving. He's leaving. I'm letting the dog out. He's going to go find the chat and have at That must be uh, the Arsenal. The Arsenal horn player is turned up again. He's at the window. Yeah. You bring all no, the good I, I'm, I'll tell you what. Wasn't I, the I, I'm sorry. Hand, handball in the box is a difficult one to, to give. But see, if you put your hand away from your body, and it affects someone getting a chance on goal. It's a fucking foul. It's a foul all day long. It's a foul outside the box. It's a penalty inside the box. That has to be given. I really couldn't give a flying fuck whether people agree with me or not. It was his. It was his back arm as he's running towards the goal. He did. He didn't even raise What's his hand. Doing there, then? His hand is out away from his back. His arm is out away from his back. He's not a penguin. What's he doing there? He's not a penguin. He's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What is he? Superman. Da, da, da. I'm sorry. No. Bollocks. The penalty. I think I, I am actually like... starting to think Kev's the fan that uh, Klopp wanted kicked out uh, in the first half. I mean, Klopp seemed to get fairly narked about something that was being roared. And I think it was Kev. Yeah. Yeah. All the way from Cork. He could hear him there. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. The, the people. The penalty wasn't given, but before that, my favorite thing, I think, of the whole game was Menke fouls Luis Diaz two times immediately at the start of the second half. And the second one is finally called, and it ends up with Liverpool goalkeeper coach John Achterberg getting a yellow card, which is like, holy, what did you say? Because he seems like a pretty quiet guy that's not really at the forefront of things very often. But there's Achterberg getting a yellow card. Uh, on that first goal, I mean, Goldie, you mentioned uh, when we were talking about Luton's goal that, you know, sometimes it's a good set piece. I thought this was an excellent set piece from yeah. us because you saw Virgil and Kwanzaa lined up. They had their markers. Virgil uses Kwanzaa like a perfect pick and roll, like a basketball play, and it forces the defenders to switch. So it goes from being, I think it was Menge or maybe Osho that was marking Virgil van Dyke to Kwanzaa gets in the way. It forces Ogbeni to try to pick up the yep. run of Virgil, and he never stands a chance. So it's good that there's two sides to that coin. And I don't know about you. You said you had stopped taking notes by this point, but I was barely finished taking notes, and all of a sudden, Connor Bradley's got the ball in the box. A save by the goalkeeper yep. with his feet. The ball deflects up into the air. Then they make a substitution, and I barely got the substitution written down, and the ball's in the back of the net. And I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I forgot which way we were kicking and my fucking ass fell out for a split second because it's like, and it's in. And it's like, what? what the? And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, no, we're kicking towards the cop. All right. Two, one, two, one. But I mean, throw ins, Chris, we concede from one and then we go back and we score from one. But that is a team that is fucking switched on. That is tuned into the game that, yeah, you can go ahead and make your substitution where Andrews Townsend senior comes on for Woodrow Wilson and the second the referee blows the whistle, McAllister's already making the run. Yeah. The throw-in comes to him. He pings that ball in and, I mean, unstoppable header just about at the near post from Cody Gakpo. Boom, boom, it was just like that. It was brave from Gapko because I wouldn't have called it a – McAllister fairly lashed it. It wasn't like a, a nice gentle cross. He And I don't even think the keeper got a chance to react. But I just I said to you already, I think Bradley and McAllister – there's a reason why you're not the champagne player on an Argentinian team that wins the World Cup. He just, it was that 15 minutes of just taking control, taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And it's no surprise that 
you know, in five minutes, literally, he provides two crosses. And, yeah. And I, I actually expected Luton to be better from, particularly from high crosses, because they, they work on it so much for their own advantage in scoring. So you would imagine a lot of their drills involve their defenders defending crosses. But, yeah, it was... um. Massive moment. I, I, I agree with Kev. I, I, I didn't sit there thinking, oh, they're going to catch us on the counter. Um, I, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, Barkley has been so important to him, and he was anonymous tonight. But I suppose they put in such a massive shift at home against United and the quick turnaround. Our pitch is bigger. And, yeah, maybe that second half played on the fact that, you know, the lack of housing around the pitch probably terrified them. And, um, yeah, they just, they didn't collapse or whatever. But it's just, yeah, that 15 minutes, it was just like, oh, we've no answer to this. And they didn't have an answer for the rest of the game. So, no, yeah. No, I mean, shortly, shortly after we make it 2-1, Kev, uh, Kaminsky in their game against Man United, I thought was fantastic. He made a pile of big saves against Man United. And in the first half, we did not test him at all. I think he had one shot that just kind of dribbled tamely right down his throat on target in the first half. And he makes a hell of a save on Virgil van Dyke because Virgil should be picking up a, a brace because he gets high. He puts power on another corner. I stopped numbering them after a while. We must have gotten a dozen a baker's dozen corners in this game. And it was good to see us finally score from one, but we should have scored from two. That's a hell of a header. I mean, it actually hits him in the shoulder, but Kaminsky does a great job getting down low to it. But I mean, I said before the game that we need some of our lesser lights to step up. Somebody needs to be the man for the moment. And the first goal is exactly who you want and expect that to be, the captain. A Virgil van Dyke saying, you know, yeah. I'm here now. Let me do this. And then the the two midfield players, I, I'm having a tough time thinking of them separately because they just seem like they dovetail so well together. But Alexis McAllister getting the freedom to move forward with Endo finding his position in the team as the number six, two assists. I mean, great games he's again. Just, he's doing what, what he done for Argentina for us. Uh, Goldie's spot on. I mean, you watch the games in the World Cup for Argentina, and he just does the ugly stuff. He does the yeah. horrible stuff, but he's got quality about him. We've we've all seen it this season. He's just a really good footballer with a great brain, and he's got a heart of a lion. He's exactly what you want in the middle of the park. Uh, he's got enough nastiness about him, enough snide about him. He's um, aggressive. That's the the difference, I suppose, between the first half and the second half. We were much more aggressive. We were yeah. much more aggressive, not just in the tackle and in the press. We took more risks, and there were educated risks and calculated risks, and they, we made better runs. We made more space with the runs, and we just used space better. But it was uh, their keeper had a is a really good young keeper, and the thing is with Luton and dip your hat to him, they've been in almost every game this season. They've n they've not got the points returned for the performances that they've put in this season. Um, they've given everyone a game. You know, they're, they can be a horrible side to play, but we just didn't give them, give them a chance to settle at all in the second half. We just completely bossed it. Showed that there's levels 
to the football that we're playing, despite the amount of play, players missing, the ideals of how we play the game don't really change too much. And again, he made save after save. He was, it was just a case of when. When is this third one going to come and just kill the game off altogether? Because it would. There were shots coming in from outside the box. They were testing them. They were stuff going out for corners. It was chance after chance after chance. And then eventually, on seventy-one minutes, Diaz showed real composure. Lovely pass into him, but he showed real composure to take that. And it's something that he didn't show in the first half. Um, he took the ball in his stride, made the angle, and slotted it in the near post with a bit of finesse, with a bit of quality, and a bit of composure. That, and that's all it needed was that little bit of composure. And then it's just like, relax. Enjoy the rest of the game, because whatever hope they might have had of getting something at 2-1 and getting back into the game, they're not getting to no, you know, no, so. they're definitely not. And I mean, funny enough, the third goal comes from another throw-in, which is, yeah, it's <laughs> that's a pretty strange game where you're getting three goals that are coming as not quite the direct result of throw-ins, but in the near aftermath of it. But I mean, just before that, we get Robertson coming on for Connor Bradley. Uh, you mentioned, Goldie, you were kind of surprised that Bradley went off because he was playing so well. To me, that's your starting Sunday, kid. Yeah, Come on off. Get your feet up for the last 25, 30 minutes of this game because you're starting in a cup final for Liverpool in four days' time. That's what that felt like to me. And Robertson, who I feel has come back quite well from his injury, he was out for a fairly extended amount of time, he switched on to that. You know, they throw the ball in and then somebody just hoofs it high into the middle of the field and a couple people stand around watching it. And Robertson's right there, gets on it. Tidy footwork from Diaz, good finish. That makes him our fifth person to score 10 goals this season. All five of our forwards are in double digits for goals this season, which is outrageous. Yeah. No, it did. As I say, it was the 15 minutes blitz, 20 minutes, whatever you want to call it. it, it, it they were just on them. And I don't, as I say, I don't know where Luton's legs went. Diaz finally got a bit of space compared to like as much as I was knocking his decision making in the first half, he had a man tight defender all through the first half and that was the first time I've seen him in it. your man couldn't get back when him was a manga or whatever um no it's it, Bradley as I say I you can get very excited particularly when you know a young comes through and is playing for your team I'm not gonna say this guy is going to be the greatest player ever for Liverpool for the next 10 years but he's in an incredible purple patch and yeah I think I'd love to say to you, it's going to be purely on merit that he's playing on Sunday. I don't think we've any choice, unless uh, yeah, we can play you know. Gomez. We can play Gomez. True. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, it was a it was a great finish. I'm delighted for Diaz because it can only do his confidence good. Because I'm not positive in many games where we're going to create that many chances. We can afford to not be scoring as we proceed into larger adult nappy season. Um, and yeah, it was just a matter of was it going to be four or five? And one thing I'd say about to kind of back up what Kevin was saying, that sometimes you can see big score lines and kind of go, well, it wasn't that kind of game. We absolutely, there's no doubt that five, six wouldn't have flattered us tonight, regardless of how it looked after the first 45 minutes. So 
Yeah. I, I, I prefer we don't do this for the next 10 games, but if, it, if this is the way it's going, we're not going to have problems scoring. It's just going to be having 11 bodies and having our 90% or 50% of our best team out there is going to be the issue. It's, I And I was concerned for today that scoring goals was going to be the issue because you took our three biggest goal threats were out of the lineup, you know, not even on the bench. And it was, that's where I was getting, yeah, like, we need players like Gakpo, like Diaz to step up. We need to start scoring some goals from some set pieces where we're getting unlikely contributions to the goal scoring charts. And in terms of having bodies, I mean, Kev, we make a couple of late substitutions, 88th minute. Uh, James McConnell comes on for Alexis McAllister, who deserves to go off with a nice round of applause there after a, a very yeah. good game from him. And Jaden Dans comes on for Luis Diaz, his very first appearance for the Liverpool senior squad. And I am completely shocked at how fucking humongous this kid is. I was expecting him to be another off of the production line that looked like Harvey Elliott, Bobby Clark, James McConnell. They're all kind of about the same. This, that guy is big. If you saw him 12 months ago and put him next to Harvey Elliott, it's the same size. 12 months ago, I don't know how many Weetabix he's having for his breakfast in the morning, but he's doing something right because he's had a massive growth spurt in the last 12 months. And um, I think the only... He's technically he's got he's got a great touch, and you saw it in that layoff that he gave for Gakpo that ended up in the fourth goal, and he had no problem with um, getting the ball to feet and giving it quickly, you know, not taking any unnecessary risks, which you wouldn't expect someone coming on making their first you know their their debut for a senior side, but he looked like with that layoff with the outside of the foot on the quick turn. That's quality. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to develop into. We have no idea. But apparently at youth level, he's banging goals for fun. Uh, he's doing everything you want at that level. And he was rewarded. He's been, Apparently he's been training with the first team for a while. I think just on that quick few minutes that we saw him, I think the only thing he needs to work on is pace. He needs to work on getting faster. And you hear, you always hear people say that, oh, you either with pace, you either have it or you don't. Nah. Sorry, it's pace is something you can work on. You can work on getting faster over 10 yards, over 15 yards. And I think when his body develops and he physically develops him into his his man body, we you could see a proper center forward in this kid because some of the touches that he showed tonight, even in that little cameo, there's a there's promise there. There's definitely something to keep an eye on for the future. Delighted for him coming on. And the fact that he affected a goal as well brilliant you know what that's that's something to make that's a memory that he'll take with him forever absolutely and i mean i'm sure that there's a tiny part of him that was hoping that harvey elliott wasn't uh going to take that from him but i yeah. think much like earlier in the season where harvey elliott had a chance to take a shot first time and he deferred to the much more experienced mo salah behind him who slotted home it felt like that was uh harvey being the more experienced one here because uh today was 100 appearances up for Harvey Elliott for Liverpool, which is incredible considering that he was a year out on loan and the better part of what six months out with a broken leg. Yeah. That yeah. he's already that he's already racked up uh, 100 appearances. You guys know the three Liverpool players to hit 100 appearances faster than Harvey Elliott? I guess a Michael Owen. I was going to um, say Michael Owen. <laughs> yeah. Robbie, Robbie Fowler. 
Correct. Hey, Glenn. No. No, the, uh, the, the third one is slightly more reptilian in nature. Raheem Sterling? It is Raheem Sterling. So if that's the kind of company that uh, Harvey Elliott can be keeping in and around in terms of end product quality, not too shabby. Yeah, faster than Steven Gerrard, faster than Trent Alexander-Arnold to hit 100 appearances. That's, uh, and he, he deserves his goal because I think there might be a little bit of debate over it. I thought Harvey Elliott had a good game. I didn't think he was terrible in the first half. I saw some people in the Telegram and early on in the YouTube chat before the show even got started that were just beside themselves with criticism for Harvey Elliott in the first half. Thoughts? I mean, Goldie, what were your thoughts on Harvey Elliott today? Um, I wasn't blown away at the first half. Um I, the, his body size just doesn't allow him to really push off players, or whatever. Um, he didn't. And I'll be honest. I, I I'm not gonna. I, I, I didn't. I can't give you specifics of where I just. It, it just. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't feel to me watching it. It was happening for him. Um, uh, and it seemed almost. I think it was around 23 minutes he started taking, and he took two absolutely wild shots and. It seemed to be almost out of more frustration. He laid off a ball to Diaz that he nearly, you know, I think that's when Klopp lost the head with somebody over his shoulder. That seemed to be in the... So, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't... Look, No, nobody goes out with the privilege of playing for Liverpool or any club that they play for and, um, you know, goes out to play badly or whatever. But I just sometimes think it's just... Some players you can't affect the game, and it struck me quite early on. It just he there was things he wanted to do in his head, and they just weren't happening. And it didn't look like it was going to happen. So yeah, it was it was great that he got a goal, but it took to what was the eighty third minute to kind of happen for him. I don't remember. I don't remember an awful lot of what he did tonight. He he's absolutely enthusiastic. He's running around, um, but it didn't feel that particularly the first forty five. He was going to be the game changer. So. Yeah, and the problem you've, got, you've I, got your new Curtis Jones now that Curtis is out injured. I see you've been dying, just dying to get that in. <laughs> um, it's been months <laughs> since you've been on a no, show, no, no. and Jones no, has no, been tearing it up. Watches him morning, noon, and night. I'm not the manager of Liverpool, so it's very easy for me to go this, that, that. I don't like. I don't like. It, it just. I don't. I say, I, Klopp play, picks them, so I I stand by whatever Klopp sees. Just that there can be games where I just sit there and I just don't see it, if you know what I mean. But yeah, Cantor's pointing out that over the 90 minutes, I thought Elliot had a great game. He never stopped trying, worked so hard. His pass over the top of Diaz in the first half was unreal. That was in the fourth minute. It was an incredible yeah. pass that Luis Diaz should have done better with. Uh, I mean, it's 4 1 at the end of the day. You say results are the only thing that matter. Performances don't really matter. But the performance actually ended up being pretty damn good in terms of a tale of two halves. Uh, Ashley L is back with us this week because she missed the last game to get all the uh, quotes for me. So let's just see where I got here. Ah, here's one that I saved. Klopp after the match. I told my team a few months ago I would never use the Barcelona game as an example, but tonight I broke my promise. <laughs> I'm so happy with the performance. Before the game, no one knew how the boys would take to this challenge, concede the goal, and immediately we were in a rush. 
The second half was a thunderstorm. Wow. It's one of those nights where it will be difficult to stop talking about it. It just wants to come out of me. I'm so happy. And then from uh, from the Luton manager, Rob Edwards, he says, really good first half performance. Second half, we saw Anfield. It was like the cop was just sucking it in and we couldn't get out. I mean, Kev, that's, that's the cliche, but it really did feel like one of those games. Like there's a, a five degree tilt to the pitch you know, and you're running downhill towards yeah. the cop. Yeah, look, I mean, the first half, I don't think we worked the right-hand side enough. Um, second half, we worked the right-hand side a lot more, involved Harvey a lot more. And when you involve him in the game, in that, that he almost took up in his normal midfield role, even though he was lined up as a, a right winger. He never really played on the right wing. Mm -hmm. He played tucked inside, uh, almost like a number 10 who drifted out onto that right-hand side and dropped back into midfield. And that's where he affects games the most. That's where you see his quality. You're not going to see him bursting past players and blowing people off the ball. It's not his game. It's give and go, using quick feet, his quickness of his mind where he sees things. You saw a few games ago with a chip into the into the box for uh, assist for a goal. He's got a quality, and he's still going to be playing. I'd imagine for the England under twenty ones in the next international break. That's where you, you got to rein it back in and say, like, this guy has played a hundred games for Liverpool at twenty years of age, just turned twenty, and he's affecting games. He's, we all know this season he's been at his best when he's affecting games off the bench. But I think tonight was almost a case of he came on at halftime and affected the game because everything changed in the way we focused our attacks in the second half. And it brought the best out in him. And there's a strong argument that he's man of the match, a strong argument. But... It's it's there's so many players in the second half that did really well that it literally comes down to a case of it's what you like, you know, it's what you like seeing in a performance and it's what you like seeing in a player. And there's so many good performances in the second half. There's some decent performance in the first half without ripping up any trees. But if you if that you take your chances in the first half, you go in three one up. You're having a completely different conversation and outlook as to how the first half went for you. Yeah. You know, the truth is we just we did everything right until the final third when we rushed it. We tried to overcomplicate things. And in the second half, we calmed it down. And as Ashley pointed out and what Klopp said, it was organized chaos in the second half that we just like pressed the life out of him and we drained the life out of him in the second half. It, it was yeah, just well, I... a completely different performance. I found the quotes that I wanted here because here it's just just before I let you come in here, Goldie. Uh, Klopp yeah. on his halftime team talk. Tactically, no changes. I asked the boys to believe. We all saw this season we can turn things around. We asked the boys to be calm in these moments so we could finish to our standards. They were really awake. Cody's goal, exceptional. And that's what that's what you want, right, Goldie? Like, because I don't think tactically there, there wasn't any major issues with our no, first half performance. It was just it was an attitude thing. It just everything seemed to be faster. Stepped up more pressure quicker. It, it, there wasn't. I didn't think there was that much of a difference between how we performed the first half. We're quite comfortable. I, I'd even argue it was one of the more comfortable watches, bar the scoreline, for the first. Considering they are aware 
we're in the countdown now. Just one thing, and it's just being a shit stirrer. I'm like I'm seeing the uh, chat, and obviously I'm try. I, I sorry, chat. I I do try see. Thanks for all the Negan quotes and the Queens of the Stone Age quotes. Thank you, and the baby nappies. Thank you, and my fetish party I'm going to on Sunday. But to shit store, and I am going to shit store here a little Shocker. bit. I'm not picking on Elliot or Jones or anything. The only thing I would ask everybody to step back and just think if tonight's result had went against us. I've funny feeling be a lot of people finger pointing fingers at different people. So I think a result always kind of taints. And all I was saying was I didn't think Elliot was great or good in the first half. But you know, they, it, it was so easy for us. All you could concentrate on what what was not happening from the attacking end of midfield and the strikers. So I'm not picking on Elliot, but as I say, I have a funny feeling people might be less ready to kind of throw up testimonials uh, if, if that result hadn't went our way tonight. But here we are, we're rolling on, and my only worry now is Sunday. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, I mean, the, the biggest game is always the next game. I mean, I think that was Shawnee and Gab from this morning's uh, 30 show of talking, you know, because you're getting people going, ah, you know, do we do we sacrifice some of our stronger players for the league cup and focus on the two league games, either side. And like Shawnee was like, it's a cup final. Like, what are you talking? You don't sacrifice anything for a cup final. And I mean, Kev, now the next biggest game is Sunday coming up and hopefully a few bodies back. I mean, uh, another uh, Ashley contribution Klopp asked on whether Nunes or Salah will make Sunday's final. I don't know. As long as we have 11 players, we go for it. So, Yeah. Yeah, look, I'll be honest, right? I watched the Chelsea-Man City game. Man City should have hammered them six or seven. They really should have. We absolutely mullered Chelsea a few weeks ago. Chelsea aren't any different. They're exactly the same side as what they were a few weeks ago. The only difference is that, Chelsea, that Man City didn't take the guilt-edged glut of chances that they had. On another day, Haaland scores five, and you're looking at Chelsea saying... What on earth is Pochettino still doing in the job? Under Abramovich, he'd have been sacked. All right. Um, those quotes from Klopp, I mean, you wouldn't expect him to turn around and say, yeah, um, Mo will be back, Dom will be on the bench, and Darwin is fine. We just rested him for tonight. We want to give him the night off. He's not going to give anything away. But at the same time, if that 11 is told to go out and go again, there's enough there to get to beat Chelsea, you're going to have more than likely, I think, um, more than likely, I'd imagine, um, Ibu comes in for Kwanzaa, Robbo comes in for Joe Gomez. You hope that someone is available to be on the bench, whether that's Salah or Darwin, whoever, maybe none of them, who knows. But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who it is. The 11 that he puts out, he'll put out an 11 that's good enough to win the game. And if you put in a performance, you'll beat Chelsea. You'll break their hearts. That's And that's the easiest thing to do to this Chelsea side. You know, you break their spirit and it doesn't take much to do it. They've got two, one or two, no, they've got two really good players. Really, really good players. Christopher Nkunku is a, is a top quality striker. And Enzo Fernandez is a very good midfielder. The rest of them are some of them are good players, 
some of them are Gallagher. really overinflated. Yeah, you know, over egg. They're they're jobbers. Some of them are jobbers. You know, and I put Gallagher in a as it, like in the Ross Barkley type of player. If you allow them time on the ball and you allow them to put their foot in the ball and you allow them space to run into and to play, they can affect games and look good. But in general, they're some good players. They, you know, we're just better. We're better than them. Uh, and it, it football is that simple. You know, it's you, you turn up with a mentality that you're gonna win it and you just go and do your jobs. You know, that's all you can do. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not worried. I mean, these are the two. The next two games are two cup games. You're into a final. You go and enjoy it. Go and enjoy the final. Go and win it. Get your first cup under your belt. And you're playing at home to Southampton next week, midweek. Just go and enjoy it. You know, um, you make a few changes. Hopefully, you'll have someone. Who, you might have another player back. And that's how you got to look at it. You know, you've got two cup games, and then you got a league game. And you'll always get people online, oh, which one would you prefer? Three points or a cup? Fuck, I want all of it. Yes. Yeah, the answer is I yes. Want a, I want a cup. I want three points. I want to Correct. go through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And I want to beat Man City at Anfield in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I want you a know, nice, easy reading. draw in the round of 16 in the Europa <laughs> League when it happens on Friday. It's uh, I, I want all there's of some, these things. So soon they go to extra time or is it straight to penalties after 90 minutes? I know. It's extra time. Extra yeah. time. Yeah. Be minutes and legs and everything is just. I'd be more concerned. Like the the bottom line is, like Pooch and Chelsea are muck, but the problem is they do have some decent players who could turn up on Sunday for whatever reason. That and it's another ninety minutes, one hundred and twenty in the legs. Big shout out to Shawnee Lawson. Call me for that party on Sunday that you're going to. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean. It's uh, we're now, you know, we're we're through playing Luton. We've got that done. That's uh, that game's off our back. We finally beaten Luton in the Premier League, which is, you know, a nice little tick in Klopp's box on his farewell tour here. But all eyes now shift towards Sunday and it'll be press conference watch and a pile of Twitter online surgeons giving their best uh, injury prognoses for the Liverpool team. But at the end of the day, we throw 11 players out there and I'm still going to like us to beat Chelsea when it comes down to it. Uh, before we get into doing man of the match, just want to say thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. I see we've got about 300 and some people in here tonight. So if you're not one of the regulars, if you haven't already hit the thumbs up, hit the thumbs up button, please hit the thumbs up button for us. If you're listening afterwards on a podcast download or watching it over again on YouTube, again, hit the thumbs up button, give us a five-star rating. That's all well and good. And if you can't do that, what I would ask you to do is go down into the show description. You'll see the link for our charity fundraiser that we're doing for this year. It's Fan Supporting Food Banks in Liverpool, the Lighthouse Cafe in Dublin, two organizations that are trying to help out people that are really having a tough go of it in terms of just being able to provide food for themselves and their families. So we're trying to raise 10,000 euros for these two fantastic organizations. We're going to split whatever we uh, fundraise right down the middle and have it uh, shared to these two groups. If you can donate, please help us out and donate and keep us ticking towards our 10,000 euro goal. Oh, Johnny Doyle gifting a Talking Cop membership. Hopefully somebody's got their memberships turned on and that gets uh, taken up quickly. Give but me, yes, give me, give me, give me. Uh, there you go. Dan Austin gets gifted a free one month membership to the Talking Cop. So uh, if you're not already a member, highly suggest you become a member. You're going to get shows like the 30 from this morning where Gab was joined by Shawnee Lawson. Had a little quick chat about the football and then talk about some random stuff. 
it feels like the next week or so might be heavily dominated by Steve Bruce novel talk, which is <laughs> un unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's a pity we can't do a fundraiser to help Gab buy those books, considering that they're a couple hundred pounds a piece, which is just absolutely outrageous. But tomorrow night for members only on the YouTube, 700? Yeah, 750. But the good news, Matt, is that weirdly, I don't know whether it's the algorithms, but Steve Bruce has been looked at seriously for uh, coaching uh, one of the big teams in South Korea. So there could be a fourth novel Ooh. of Steve Barnes because, I mean, you're in a, a spy hotland there of disappearing mm -hmm. bodies and football. I mean, what more could you have? This could be the comeback year. I, I hope I hope he does it and he he names the novel three at the demilitarized zone instead of three at the back he's going three at the DMZ he's, he's gonna solve the Korean Peninsula issue he's gonna reunite the country after the Cold War it's gonna be fantastic but that's the sort of silliness that gets up to on the member show but tomorrow night uh is episode I believe it is episode four of the greatest where uh, it's just going to be, oh yeah. Cause Keith was over at the match tonight. So Keith won't be on the oh, show on tomorrow it. night. It's just, it's just going to be Phil Casey and Gab going through tennis and motorsports, trying to pick out, we're yeah. going to try to narrow it down and see if we can create a definitive, no argument about it list of the greatest sports people of all time. Uh, it is the crack, I believe is the, uh, proper Irish term for that. It is hilarious, but four euros a month, you cannot go wrong with it. But for our fundraiser, if you can't donate, please share it along with your social medias because you never know who might feel like donating to worthwhile causes. And speaking of the aforementioned Phil Casey, he is also trying to raise 5,000 euros for the Laurel Lynn Hospice, which is Ireland's only children's hospice. He is doing way more work for it than I'm personally doing for the Talking Cop fundraiser. He's running up the side of a mountain. I believe on Sunday morning, he takes off to go running 300,000 kilometers or something like that. But it's just an unbelievable amount of work and dedication that Phil's putting in for that. And the fact that he's doing it to raise money for the Laura Lynn's Hospice uh, in Ireland is absolutely fantastic. So you'll find that charity link in the description as well. So we appreciate it if you go and help out with that. Gemma Sullivan, who was your man of the match? It's, do you know what? In all honesty, I thought Joe Gomez was very good. I, I give it to Joe Gomez. I think there were some good performances in midfield, but I don't think they slowed the game down enough in the first half to create, to work better chances. I think they rushed it all too much. I think they were much better in the second half. But I think Joe Gomez, going from left back to right back, Ogbeni is rapid. He's, he is a proper handful. And he handled him really well. I thought defensively, he was really sound. His distribution and his passing is top tier. And if Robertson doesn't start, you don't bat an eyelid. If um, I think he's probably better, actually, on the left, tucking in and creating from the left-hand side. I thought overall, over the whole 98 minutes or whatever it was, I thought he was, he was, he was very good. I was really happy with his performance. That's, that's an outside shout. I was not expecting a Joe Gomez shout. I'm even less expecting Avo the Third, who says his man of the match was the bastard who turned off his IPTV subscription before the game started. <laughs> Except not, not quite, not quite. Goldie, man of the match yeah. for you. Uh, it was a toss-up between uh, Bradley and McAllister, but by the fact McAllister literally done the whole game, uh, McAllister for me two assists when we absolutely needed them just does 
as Kev said earlier, a lot of dirty work. And uh, yeah, McAllister for me. Yeah, uh, Kieran B says your man for taking the yellow card and not Klopp. That's Achterberg again. That's just absolutely hilarious. That's, that's so yeah, funny because... Klopp, is, Klopp is on a on a on the borderline for a, for a touchline ban, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he I... should have he should have taken it though, right? And then been banned for the Forest game so that he knows that he's back for the City game, right? Like a Sergio Ramos sort of. Ooh, you know, choose when to... Burns thinking there, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I'm solving murders. Uh, my man of the match, uh, I'm happy to have McGlinchey agreeing with me. I would give it to Virgil Captain showing us got to the neck or showing up to get us level by scoring the set piece. Honorable mention, Mac, a brilliant assist in the second half. But yeah, it's uh, somebody said it by the, the comments were absolutely flying in here at points. It was hard to grab the ones I wanted to keep. But somebody said, I think it might have been Anne saying asking whether we thought that this is the best football that Virgil van Dyke's played since Jordan Pickford snapped him in half. And it's a pretty good shout because yeah, he it, has been good lately. Yeah, he has. The only thing that I don't, I don't think he, he did enough and he hasn't been doing it for a while really is rolling the ball out in his right foot and just doing that 50 yard diagonal oh, ball. Oh, out no to more. Whoever. Yeah. No more, but Bradley can, Bradley can make up that ground, you know. And when he when Elliot is playing in midfield, even when Jota was in front of him, Elliot goes wide onto the touchline, and Jota would be the one on the right wing tucking in. That ball is on for more most of the game, and he just doesn't have it in his locker. Either he doesn't want trust himself to play it, or he's under instruction not to play it. Who knows? Defensively, he's really good. I still think he should score more from set pieces. Um, he's got in the last two or three games, he's rattled crossbars, he's forced good saves out of keepers. I think that side of his game is coming now, but um, defensively, there. yeah, he's really good. I don't think he's at his he's at his peak, but there was one little snippet tonight. I think it was about eighty odd minutes gone when Ogbené went around like, Gomez Ogbené, and he opened his legs up. Yeah, Ogbené <laughs> was about to go, and Virgil was like, "Wait, nope," gets his foot in and just. Calm Football like. Viagra, that was. Yeah, I felt the change. You know, <laughs> I saw it. I'm so happy we it, all it, noticed it because I had a big. It's little things like that. Though. Yeah, it's little <laughs> things like that that you see in a game, and you're like, "All's bright and rosy in the world. We're all great. Yeah. Well, yeah. No need to stress. Relax. Football. Christmas tree Viagra. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's at his best, but I think he's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Not at his best, he's still one of the top five center halves in all of world football. So that's a pretty good piece to he's... have as we continue the charge on all four fronts. We continue the push for 96 points, which will 100% win us a Premier League this season. All is rosy in the garden for another night. We've survived another full-time reaction show. Hoping that you guys weren't too nervous at halftime about having to come on here. I know we are supposed to have Robbie, but it seems like at halftime he bailed out. I don't think that's actually the reason. I'm sure something legitimate came up and it wasn't just the halftime the first half. one nils. Yeah. <laughs> it was it wasn't just being down one goal after a, a fairly lackluster performance in the first half. But four one gets the job done. We move on to the next one. Boys, we got a cup final. Next yeah. game is a yeah. cup final. There's a shiny piece of silverware up for grabs in the next game. It's gonna be nil-nil and go to penalties, isn't it? Hopefully not. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. 
I mean, in fairness, Chris has, Chris has been saying all season that Joe Gomez is getting his first goal in the cup final is going to be the winner. So I'll, I'll hang my hat on that. Yeah, that's uh, Ushin, as I've been told by Tom Boland how to pronounce his name, said earlier that uh, Joe's goal is coming Sunday. Mark my words. And Cantor says, lads, 12 more wins and we are champions. Really starting to get nervous now. Really looking forward to this running. You just got to embrace it. You got to yeah. you got to be willing to roll the dice on absolute heartache because the flip side of it is yeah. the mountaintop. The flip side is the mountaintop. So we go again. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us tonight. Thank you to Kev O'Sullivan. Thank you to Goldie. Cup final. Cup final, people. Goldie! And even maybe more importantly, the next episode of The Greatest coming tomorrow night on the members feed for everybody. I cannot wait for the absolute madness that is anything involving Phil and Gav. It should be great. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. Please hit that thumbs up button on the way out. We'll catch you guys for the next show. I'm presuming there's going to be a 30 maybe tomorrow morning or Friday morning. Do a little cup final preview for that sort of thing. So stay tuned. Make sure you got that notification bell turned on so that you never miss a show. But that was it for us. Anfield finished. Liverpool 4, Luton Town 1, Liverpool's top of the league. See you guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.